This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. You're listening to the Danny Mac Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Bear down, Chicago Bears. Make it replay, clear the way to victory. Hello again, everybody. I'm Dan McNeil, and welcome back to the Danny Mac Podcast on the Bet Rivers Podcast Network. So glad you're with me. Thanks for starting your week with the show. And uh, I'm buzzing, as, as you should be, because footballs were being kicked all over North America this past Friday, Saturday, and again Sunday. The NFL's preseason schedule is well underway, and the Bears are off to a fine start. They put points on the board with their first offense against the Tennessee Titans at Soldier Field. You know the story. Justin Fields, 3-for-3, 129 yards, passing two touchdowns. They were both short throws. DJ Moore, good old number two, and Khalil Herbert on the check down with 62 and 56-yard receptions for scores, respectively. Nice plays, good hustle, way to get blockers downfield. I like that, but, man, I couldn't help but thinking after watching the replay a second time, I would not want to be a Tennessee linebacker, corner, or safety when they looked at the film on Sunday. Because nobody was downfield. Nobody took a a good angle of pursuit. Nobody got off blocks. Those were relatively uncontested touchdown runs with lots of real estate in front of those guys. You got to get off blocks and make something happen. The world was too busy praising Mike Vrabel for serving as as a spectator Saturday because he let one of his assistant coaches be the head coach, be the acting head coach. And everybody everybody who was on social media, and I heard some people on radio talking about this, complimenting Vrabel, more guys should do this. This is the right, what, why? What, what, did, what did Vrabel, what did the Titans accomplish this past Saturday with that? Anything? I, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe there's something I'm not seeing here. But what I did see, was Justin Fields look pretty good, look pretty composed, got his guys in and out of the huddle quickly. I'd like to see him throw the ball downfield a little bit more when they get Indianapolis uh, in the ring with them, so to speak, this coming weekend. I thought Darnell Wright, the 10th pick in round one, looked a little clunky at right tackle. The kid from Tennessee plays with a high pad level. I would like to see him a little less erect and play with a little bit more bow in the knees. And maybe it, maybe some of this is on me, not used to seeing a right tackle with a jersey number in the 50s. Uh, that's a number worn by guards and centers. 58, 59, you don't wear that. Where's your number in the 70s? The Bears haven't retired all those numbers in the 70s. They got one for you if you want it, but he chose to wear 58. And it looks weird, especially when he's playing in space. Greg Papa, or is it Bob Papa? And uh, um, he didn't look super comfortable to me. And I was expecting a little bit more of a comfort factor on the other side of the ball with the second round pick, Gervon Dexter, as well. Zach Pickens, who was taken 
10 picks after Dexter. Dexter went to Florida. Pickens went to South Carolina. Pickens is outplaying him since they put pads on, and he outplayed him on Saturday. He got pressure on Malik Willis. He got him down. And Dominic Rogers, the 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 rookie, uh, I'm sorry, Dominique Stevenson, the rookie out of Miami, looked terrific. Looks like he belongs. Uh, Kyler Gordon was very physical. Now, the Titans made big plays on their first series. I didn't care for some of that. I don't think some of the guys who were, who were involved in it, Rasheem Green most specifically, will be on the roster on opening day when they get to Green Bay. Um, but just losing contained several times on big plays the Titans made on their first possession of the day. But it's a decent day for the Bears. Matt Eberflus is clean in the preseason. He's 4-0 and as the headmaster in August scrimmages. I don't think that'll mean anything for you at the end of December when you're playing your last game of the year against Green Bay. They open with Green Bay, close with Green Bay. But for now, it means he has yet to go into the locker room and say, oh, man, we had him and we let him get away. Maybe this week against Indianapolis. I look forward to visiting with Wayne Larravee, the veteran voice of the Packers, in just a little bit. The Jordan Love era is underway in Green Bay. He had more throws, quite a few more throws, than Fields did against Tennessee when the Packers opened their preseason schedule against Cincinnati the other night. But that's that's supposed to be the case. He is learning on the job. It is his team for the first time. Now that Aaron Rodgers is a New York Jet and uh, Matt LaFleur is going to continue to play him. We'll ask Wayno just how much and how the team is responding to Jordan Love in, in just a few minutes. Always love catching up with the veteran voice of the Packers, Wayne Larrabee. I want to see Fields throw the ball more than pass the line of scrimmage next week against the Colts. I would love to see him throw the deep ball. I'm okay not seeing him run with it, but let him get an opportunity to work the middle of the field, to work the deep routes with with DJ Moore. Uh, Valus Jones, by the way, probably got his ass cut the other day for another muff on a punt. Whoever the wide receiver is, when Claypool is healthy, he's supposed to be the go up and get a guy. Let him be involved that way. But let's challenge the defense just a little bit rather than Charlie check down and, uh, and, and those little things that he did. So very well en route to a 158.3 perfect rating. Maybe I should get back to singing Bear Down Chicago Bears when I think of Justin Fields, the third-year quarterback out of the Ohio State University. You're listening to the Danny Mac Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. So while the Bears get ready for lap two against Indianapolis, let's find out what's going on with Matt LaFleur's Green Bay Packers. They spent several days in the queen city of Cincinnati. Wayne Larravee, the veteran voice of Packer football, was there. Let's talk a little bit about the head coach, Matt LaFleur, entering year number five after three straight 13-win seasons, eight and nine, and third in the North last year. That's uncharted water for LaFleur and for the Packers. And at Bet Rivers, Detroit is favored to win the division right now, and Minnesota is behind, while Chicago and Green Bay are, blessed, uh, I think, both 4-1. to one. Uh, 
That, that looks so weird to me. I find a tough time believing that Green Bay is going to slip that bad, but that's just uh, that's just what the odds makers are saying. What do you make of all this with Detroit? Yeah, you know, Dan, it's hard to tell this stage of training camp uh, what kind of team you really have, um, especially when you're putting pieces together. Like, I'm sure the Bears feel the same way. Uh, you know, they think they're going to be better, but they don't know for sure. The, the Packers think they're going to be a better football team than anyone uh, is giving them credit for. Um, but obviously, until you get to the regular season, you just don't know. You hope the right pieces get put in place. You hope you don't have debilitating injuries in training camp. And then you take your chances start of the regular season. But um, I think both the Packers and the Bears look to me to be teams that are going to be better than the uh, than the prognosticators and the people on the outside think they will be. I, I do think Detroit is the team to beat in this division. And I think by the end of last year, they were the best team in the division. I mean, after all, they went into Green Bay, beat the Packers. A few weeks earlier, they blasted the uh, Minnesota Vikings, uh, you know, in Detroit. So I, I think by the end of the season, the Vikings had the best record in the division. The Detroit Lions were the best team in the division. Wayne, I try not to let things that are out of my control get under my skin, but I'm not very successful at it. And uh, I know I have company. The Bears and Packers are bookending the season this year, week one and week 18. I hate it. As as little as regulars play in August, I think it's awful to open a year. Your thoughts? Yeah, I, I'm not with I'm with you on that one, Danny. And by the way, I struggle. I, I worry more about the things I can't control because I can't control them. So you, why would you worry about things you can control? I never understood this. I, I need therapy, I'm sure, but I don't understand that. Anyway, um, yeah, you know, the start of the season, for example. Chicago has is going to be much improved. They have a lot more talent, don't get me wrong, than they had last year at the end of last year. They made a lot of upgrades in the offseason. But that there are a lot of new players going in there, and, and how cohesive will they be? How are they going to be ready to win from the get-go? Um, with as little as veterans play in preseason, I'm with you, Dan. I, I You don't know, and it might be a process where it takes three or four weeks before this Bears squad uh, hits stride. Same thing for the Green Bay Packers. You know, hey, they're playing their veterans a little bit here in the preseason. How much remains to be seen from here on out? They did see the field against Cincinnati, and that was good to see because I I think the last couple of years, the Packers have started the season uh, really struggling on opening week because they didn't have any preseason snaps into their veterans uh, getting set for the start of the regular season. I'm not saying you play your veterans like we used to see where they play uh, the equivalent of a game over the course of a preseason. I'm not saying that much, but you need to get your guys out there a little bit and get hit now, because in practice, everything's controlled. It's not full contact. It's thud um, tackling. And that's a big, there's a big difference in the game and your quarterback, your quarterback has a red Jersey on in practice. Nobody's going to touch him in a game all bets are off. So you need to see that a little bit in the preseason. That's what the Packers have done. I know the Bears did that with Justin Fields in the offense the other day against Tennessee. So it, it, that's good to see. But where these two teams are on opening day, I guarantee you, is not the finished product. That's for sure. That's why I'd rather see this rivalry take place maybe five or six weeks down the road rather than opening week. Yeah, I, I think we have a lot of company there. I, I always enjoy seeing what I want to watch during preseason games, first-year players or free agents. And the Bears drafted a tackle out of Tennessee, 10th overall. Looking forward to seeing what uh, what Wright can do on the right side. But uh, 
Lucas Van Ness, the Packers' first-round choice. A lot of eyebrows were raised when they went to the kid from Iowa who wasn't wasn't even a starter most of last season. How, what kind of a camp has he had, and what are your expectations of Van Ness? Uh, his camp has been somewhat quiet, Dan, as you would expect. He has, you know, again, top 15 pick, and all of us on the outside looking in say, oh, top 15 pick, this guy's got to be plug-and-play, right? Well, that's not the case with a lot of these guys. It certainly wasn't the case with Rashawn Gary, and it's not going to be the case, apparently, with Lucas Van Ness. I think he's going to be – there's a little – uh, the talent is unquestioned. He's going to be a great player, but there is a certain element of developmental in this prospect that we have to be patient with. And I think uh, that's the case with him. It might take him a little bit, but I think that he'll make an impact as a rookie. It just might be a little bit more down the road. What other newcomers have made a big splash early on with Green Bay? I got to tell you, there's this seventh round draft choice. Out of Kentucky, Cincinnati native, and he had a spectacular game the other night, but he's had a great camp all along. Cornerback by the name of Carrington Valentine. He's about 6'2", long arms. Um, he's just seems like a really good polished covered corner. We're trying to figure out where how he got to the seventh round, but he did. Uh, he has been out, outstanding in camp, and he played really well in Cincinnati. And then they got a, a quarterback out of Penn State who had been at Penn State for six years, believe it or not. Five years on the field, one year a red shirt. He had the extra COVID year. Uh, Sean Clifford, he gave us a roller coaster ride the other night, but he's had a great camp as well. And it looks like he's solidifying himself, a rookie, as a backup quarterback. What's most critical for Green Bay as we wrap it up? If they're going to play football after 17 regular season games, if they're going back to the playoffs, what is most important from a Packers standpoint? I think, I still think, Dan, and a lot of people will point to the quarterback, and obviously that's true, and they must uh, come together offensively. I think the most important thing, what will be critical for Green Bay, can the defense stop the run? That's where defense begins, and if they can stop the run, they're good enough on the back end to defend the pass, and then this team will take to the next level. But um, that is, that's very much in question, whether they can stop the run. Green Bay last year gave up over six yards per first down play. I understand that all of those plays are runs, but they gave up six yards on first down plays. That was, I believe, 32nd or 31st in the league. Their third down percentage was eighth in the league at about 37%. There's talent on this defense, but it's got to be consistent from down one through down three, and that's what they're looking for this year. Wayne Larrabee, thank you uh, so very much. You're listening to the Danny Mac Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Wayne Larrabee has been the voice of the Green Bay Packers since 1999, and uh, it was his childhood dream someday to sit behind the microphone for Green Bay, now in uh, year 25 or whatever it is, 26 years as the voice of the Packers. Great to have him on board. And uh, full disclosure, in my first job in Chicago, 1985, I was an intern at then WGN Radio at the time was the Bears' flagship, and Wayne had just come on board. WGN had just reacquired Bears rights, and Wayne came up from Kansas City where he had been the voice of the Chiefs for a few years. That was his first year in the Bears booth, 1985, and I was a rookie in Chicago radio. That was a pretty good year to be uh, to be starting in radio, sports radio in particular in Chicago, 1985. Always loved checking in with Wayne Larrabee. There will be interleague baseball played Tuesday and Wednesday. The White Sox and Cubs concluding this year's version 
of the Civil War. It doesn't mean much for the White Sox as they continue to wallow 25-ish games below the 500 mark. I've stopped even looking at their scores. Now, if I'm on my phone and because, you know, what you look at comes up regularly, the algorithm, I'll see a score, but I, I don't call up the stories. I don't seek uh, info on these White Sox. I am just eager to see what they do with Kenny Williams and Rick Hahn in the offseason. I will, on the other hand, watch these two games against the Cubs because the Cubs are four games above the 500 mark and they matter. They beat another good baseball team two out of three over the weekend. The Blue Jays uh, running third in the American League East. Now, the American League East is, is it's a buzzsaw. Every team in the division is above 500. All of them have plus territory with run differential. When the Yankees are running last for a good chunk of the season, you know you've got a good division, and Toronto has been a part of it. They're not the Orioles, but they've been a part of uh, – of the race in the AL East. They're a real good team. Cubs got them two out of three a weekend after beating the Braves two out of three. It continues to go well for the Cubs. And I continue to not fall in love with, I can't say that I have fallen in love with this team, but it has earned a place in my heart because the expectations were so goddamn low when this thing started I didn't think they'd be anywhere near 500, and maybe they only will finish 500. But they have played so well in the last six weeks, really since they came home from that little London stumble against the Cardinals. They've played very, very well, and they're going toe-to-toe with some of the best teams in baseball and beating them. Cody Bellinger is easily the National League's Comeback Player of the Year winner. And the Cubs have not had a comeback player of the year winner. The award started in 0-5. Only one White Sox player ever won it since they began passing out that uh, very treasured piece of hardware. And that was Jim Tomey when he came aboard in 0-6. The Aaron Rowan deal that sent the Sox popular center fielder to Philadelphia. But I, I'm hoping Bellinger wins the award. More so, I'm hoping the Cubs win the division. I would love to see them dump the Brewers, who've been pe- playing very, very well of late. Milwaukee now is 11 games above the 500 mark. The Cubs three and a half games behind them in the National League Central. I've got to go Harry Tynowitz on you. I've got to root for the Cubs in this series because they have a better chance of going to the postseason. That prompted a, a, a famous argument or an infamous argument. I had with Harry Tynowitz back in 01 or 02. It was 02 when he said he's a Cubs fan rooting for the White Sox, and this was in May, long before you can really write anybody off. Gosh, Cubs got a better chance. Sox got a better chance. Why would I root for Because you're a Cubs fan. That prompted an argument. I'm rooting for the Cubs. I want to see them go dancing this October. With their rotation, if you, if you get a healthy top end, if you get your guy back, you're going to be all right. The way Hendricks has gone last time out, accepted what they have had from the most part from, from other guys in that rotation, and the bullpen has improved markedly. I like that team offensively an awful lot, so I'm hoping they dump the White Sox, and I'm hoping people will stay away from each other's faces and physical body parts at the ball. I'm told there are still fights that happen all the time in both Wrigley and on the south side when the Cubs and White Sox get together. I thought that 
things sort of died right around 0607, maybe shortly after Michael Barrett punched A.J. Pruszynski. I thought maybe that would be the last time. But, you know, old uh, liquid courage. People uh, get a few belts in them, and they're happy to jaw with their uh, uh, section mates who root for the dark side of town. I, I don't quite get it, but that's life in Chicago. Good luck to the Cubs. Uh, thanking Wayne Larravee for giving me some time today, and uh, I will be back later in the week to talk about that Cubs and White Sox two-game miniseries, as well as take a look at what the Bears are doing this week in training camp and getting ready for Indianapolis and the unraveling of the Indianapolis Colts. I'm hoping to get a hold of my guy Dan Dockich from Indianapolis. He's a Northwest Indiana guy who earns his living downstate these days. And he's a very opinionated guy, and he has thoughts on what Jimmy Ursay has done to the culture of that organization, Bears and Colts, this weekend. Hope to do that. Hope to have all kinds of good NFL guests in the weeks and months ahead. Joe Klecko, who was a guy I admired when I played high school football, a member of the New York Jets sack exchange with Mark Gastineau, is scheduled to be with us. Jim Brandstatter from uh, from Detroit is going to scout the Lions for us next week. The heavily favored in the NFC North Detroit Lions. Actually, I don't know if I'd call them heavy favorites. How in the world you can't plunk down on the purple is beyond me. Say what you want about the Vikings winning too many games by one score last year. I agree with that. Their defense was real vulnerable. Didn't stop many people when it needed to. But I like the talent they have. They should win the division. That's where my money's going. Where's your money going? Check out Bet Rivers if you haven't done so. And done so, install that app and be ready when the ball goes in the air. You don't want to be standing on shore when the ship is out to sea. Jump on board and spend some money. Thank you so very much for listening. I don't know where that came from. Adam Delavitt is the guy who runs everything at Bet Rivers Podcast Network. Thanks to Adam. And uh, the vacationing Sam Michael, my producer, assisted today by Shane the Nebraskan, who roots for Chief Wahoo. Thanks for listening. I'm Dan McNeil. Back later in the week. Thanks for listening to the Danny Mac Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network.